Welcome to Crushgasm, the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, someone who dreams of being live from New York, Brad Robinson, a dad, filmmaker, podcaster, and all-around lover of nostalgia who is here to talk all things Saturday Night Live because the show isn't just his crush, but that's what the Not Ready for Primetime podcast is all about. Brad, how are you? Hey, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic in the middle of a move. I have two days to, I have a lot of stuff, Brad. I have a lot of stuff <laughs> in a three bedroom apartment. I'm a hoarder, but you know, I, I'll get through it. I have, I still have the kitchen to pack, <laughs> and like the bathrooms and I have over like a hundred things on the wall. Like I love art and stuff, pop culture art. It's like pictures of like the Broad City Girls is Daria and Truman Show and stuff, not like fancy art. But I had I did all that yesterday. So uh, before we get into things and I continue packing up my life, uh, where can we find you and your shows online? Uh, well, as you said, our show is the Not Ready for Primetime podcast. We uh, are taking a deep dive at the original era of Saturday Night Live, seasons one through five. Uh, we are on Twitter or X, whatever it's called these days, uh, Facebook and Instagram at not ready and then the number four not ready for pt pod so you can find us there when we're not talking about our show itself we do a lot of old school saturday night live on this date and comment on current episodes um and our podcast is available on apple podcast spotify everywhere you, you can find podcasts the usual suspects the usual <laughs> exactly sure <laughs> So this crush, this infatuation with uh, Saturday Night Live spawned from something that I think is pretty antiquated now, and that's syndication. You were going through the <laughs> channels, you found Comedy Central, and bam. Was it one of those instances where you sort of like fall in love with the show instantly? Yeah, when I, when I did discover it, and this was in the mid-80s, so at that point, a lot of the people from the old seasons of Saturday Night Live were very big in 80s comedies. Yeah. Your Chevy Chases, your Steve Martins, your Bill Murray. So I had known those people as movie stars and then you go back and see them younger when they were starting out and, and on that rise was amazing so when when i did discover this show saturday night live i yeah immediately fell into it that's interesting you say chevy bill steve martin um i'm part of the i did not make these rankings podcast network very long name i know <laughs> and um right now on masturbators they're doing this like social media bracket of like they 80s are. comedies yeah I've and like i've been voting yeah oh see so you know that chevy chase is in like every other one when it started. I was like, this guy was booked and blessed in the 80s. He's in so many movies. He yeah. was huge until about like 87, 88. Yeah. He was huge in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh my, like every other movie, I was like, again? Yeah. Again. Or Bill, it was either him or Bill Murray. Steve Martin yeah. a little bit, but yeah, Chevy. Yep. So what episode was like, do you remember the first one you saw? No, I think one of the first things I probably saw, or that I can at least remember, would have been this is also going to be dating myself but vhs tape of uh the best of john belushi so you know a compilation one of the first compilations that they did of saturday night live and that was probably the first thing i think i really latched onto because i was a huge john belushi fan from his movies animal house and blues brothers and then again i then learned of saturday night live and he was on that show and saw the the highlights of his best and that that's probably what really did it for me before I got into actual episodes on a whole. And you're about like nine or 10 when this happened. And I think this is around the age where our personalities really start to take shape in that we start to look away from things that our parents and maybe our siblings like and more towards what mm -hmm. interests like us on our own. In hindsight, were you like, see do you think you were seeking out something to call your own at that age? 
don't think I was seeking out, but to exactly your point, um, I was at that age where you start forming your own opinions and your own likes. And um, it was a very interesting time because, and it's one of the great things about the show Saturday Night Live that it's been around for 50 years is there's constantly new generations of people who discover it and like certain eras and, and are into it and, and will argue that theirs is the best. So when I was discovering these old episodes from the 70s on Comedy Central or on videotape, weekly there was a new current live show happening and that was a lot of people say like the second golden age of saturday night live when you had dana carvey mike myers phil hartman uh dennis miller john so like the new episodes that were happening were awesome and fun and hip and you could cling on to those and at the same time discover the original ones with john belushi and dan Aykroyd and bill murray and gilda radner and jane curtain so it was it was an amazing time to discover this show because simultaneously two of the greatest eras you were you were getting into yeah you really got that uh crux of snl right there but how much <laughs> like of your sense of humor do you think uh was based around like discovering snl at that point because i think like oh, for God. me i'm such like i grew up with south park so and daria so <laughs> sure. it's like my, yeah i'm totally like that sarcastic and i throw an f-bomb once in a while like whatever blase but like for you you have these like com like comedy gold as a child <laughs> uh i very much so it's so funny and in our current our podcast we go back and we watch you know the first five seasons episode by episode there's stuff i've realized that has been like ingrained in my brain for 30 years that i forgot that's where it came from like it came <laughs> from these old episodes of saturday night live and and so it very much influenced my comedic tastes and my comedic personality um 100 and like my nephew is an old soul he is like watching episodes of martin and he loves like older simpsons and he comes mm. he's like he's my mini me he's very weird <laughs> like i love him he's he's weird but he's like me so i could say that but for you since you were watching the older episodes but also the new were your classmates like being like hmm brad's like sense of humor might be a little off because you were like pulling from like belushi and Ackroyd, <laughs> like the I like 70s <laughs> I feel like I would I would pull more current or when I when I actually got to the point I think of maybe quoting or referencing Saturday Night Live a lot um it was more in the 90s and I, I was more contemporary because at that point it was the the Farley Spade Sandler days I think Dana Carvey and Mike Myers were you know on their way out but that's when I that was probably when I really started incorporating it into like my daily life and, and friends and stuff. Cause when you're 10 or 11, I'd watch, I feel like I'd watch it at home and stuff. And maybe there was one or two friends I'd talk to about it, but it wasn't until I got a little older when it really became kind of part of the DNA, I'd say. I'm glad you mentioned Sandler, Spade, Barley. Cause for a lot of people my age, that's like, I mean, you like you said, every generation thinks theirs is the best. And for like my age, like a lot of people my age think that was like mwah, chef's kiss. But since your show kind of deals with like the first five seasons, how do you feel like those seasons compared to like the 90s, that era where you were pulling from the most with your friends? It's uh, it's interesting. The, the thing we've, we've learned the most on our show is, you know, Saturday Night Live in the 90s was kind of an institution by then, you know, it was already mm -hmm. almost 20 years. So they had their formula, they knew what they were doing. What's been really fun watching these old episodes is they're making the show up as they go along, especially the first two seasons. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of experimental stuff happening. There's a lot of really weird sketches you'll never see. There's there's special guests that aren't even 
doing comedy sometimes, a magic actor or whatnot. So they're, they're messing with the formula. How many musical performances are there? Where do they come in the show? Like, especially right now, you know, it's very cookie cutter. You can, you know how the show is going to go. Um, that's the biggest thing is just watching the show grow and find itself kind of in real time has been awesome. And other than the casting, what do you think helps define like an era of SNL? Uh, I mean, I think the writing, I mean, it's, it's one of the things, if you're kind of more of a comedy nerd and you really dive into the writers and who's writing these sketches, um, I think that's really what plays probably almost a, eh, maybe not a bigger part, but it, at least equally as the cast, as the people writing it, you know, especially, um, you have a real golden age of writers in that late eighties, early nineties, when people like Robert Schmeigel and Jack Handy and the Turners, like you, the, the people that write these sketches, because, you know, a lot of times maybe the people acting them had a part in it, but more than not, mm -hmm. it's someone else wrote them for them. Those funny lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the writers, you got to love the writers. It sounds like my I always tell people like I would love I always come up with like little skits and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I would love to write for SNL. But the stress I've heard that goes into that, yeah. I could not. I would I would last maybe an hour and then I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> Bye. It is an insane summer. work environment and they've kind of kept it pretty much the same since the 70s. You know, they yeah. they create a new show every week from Monday to Saturday. Basically, yeah. they make a yeah. new show every week. It's it's nuts. Yeah, I would be on the on the subway about an hour after I clocked in and then like, it's not for me, babe, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be crying in the corner. <laughs> Do you think SNL has like a dark age? We've talked about the golden age. Do you think there's a, a like those seasons that maybe fans are like, let's maybe push those aside a little? Oh, I mean, for you can't go 50 years without having them. But I mean, the first one is obviously, um, you know, after the first five seasons, Lauren Michael left the show, the whole cast left the show and they basically started from scratch. Um, so a lot of people say definitely that season six, which was the first non Lauren Michael seasons, probably a lot of people think one of the worst where they fired the, his successor halfway through that season. Um, and they're basically season six through 10, Lauren Michaels comes back to the show after season 10, but uh, that's kind of considered a dark period, season six through 10. Uh, aside from, you know, we do get Eddie Murphy during that time, which is which is huge, obviously. Um, and, and kind of the second big lull, you know, where they say, you know, Saturday Night Dead and all the newspapers and, <laughs> and stuff and magazines, if you remember what those were. Uh, but kind of right around after I was talking about, you know, Farley, Spade and and Sandler and those guys um, kind of after season 20, they kind of took another dip and they they brought in a new run of cast. And it was another one where, you know, the seasons aren't as strong and, and the cast members get there, but the writing wasn't there. And it took a couple of years to kind of build back up. But it's, you know, 50 years, you're going to have ups and downs. Do you think like I know Disney is the same way and Disney has like after uh, Walt died, they kind of had that like Bronze Age, they call it. But in hindsight, that had some really great movies. You had Robin Hood, The Rescuers, like people hated them then, but they're beloved now. Yeah. Do you think that's oh, going to sure. happen with these like um, season 10, six through 10, season 20? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> I think some people I do think some people try because they're like diehard fans of the show and, and they want them to be better than they are. But, mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't think there's, there's, I don't think it's necessarily bad to have bad eras. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's, mm -hmm. you have to keep going up. You're not going to be at the top forever. So you're going to have to go down sometimes before you can come back up and say, you know, like if they didn't go down 
in the late 90s after that kind of season 20 for a few seasons maybe you don't get people like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Seth Meyers and Maya Rudolph who really then brought like the third golden era up in like the mid 2000s so I think you have to go down in order to go up yeah you have to break to grow I was just listening to Conan's podcast with the Arnold Schwarzenegger and he was talking about that and he's so funny he Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of the comedic uh, like heroes of mine he's so (laughs) funny (laughs) just like you wouldn't expect it but he just pulls out old things he says and he's like in on the joke I love it Something I also love though is that SNL is like this time capsule because like you not only get the evolution of like trends in comedy throughout the years, but also the fashion, vernacular, music, news stories mm-hmm. via Weekend Update. When you're watching older episodes, what's your like favorite aspect of them that helps you sort of time travel? Uh, my, my favorite aspect is just seeing what kind of stuff sticks, like would still work today. Um, especially nowadays, a lot of the comedy that we're watching in the 70s doesn't necessarily translate well today you know either that with political correctness or mm-hmm. just or, or just what's funny and what's not and kind of the vibe and what they're what they're writing about is just different so it's it's interesting to watch those things but as far as being excited it's seeing what sticks and also seeing um the, you mentioned it the musical acts you know seeing what musical acts which were you know in their prime in the 70s perform are really great i was gonna say another favorite thing i love is always the musical guests uh do you have any like favorites from those older episodes that you're like wow it'd be crazy to have been in the audience to see you know xyz oh my goodness uh well i mean the rolling stones host and uh are the musical guests for the uh premiere of season four that would have been insane i'm sure um oh my goodness who else we just did an episode with Joe Cocker as musical guest. That was pretty cool. Um, I, I love, again, I love John Belushi. I, to see the Blues Brothers as the musical guest <laughs> from season three would have been pretty great. Uh, you know, uh, people like Blondie are on. Uh, there's, yeah, there's just so many of those kind of great acts just to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like, you know, poop on any of the recent musical acts but i feel like they're not as iconic i don't know i feel like they're just letting anyone anyone in the door well i mean (laughs) if if you're trying to get me to sound like an old man uh, (laughs) it's no someone just mentioned that the other day because you know sorry Uh, someone just mentioned that the other day because we just had the season 49 premiere and they had a you know a rapper on and people are like there were a lot of fans being like where are the bands or people who to your point like have staying power because so many popular acts now whether they're rappers or pop or even rock mm-hmm. like are they going to be around in 10 or 20 years yeah even even 10 years ago like the acts that were on are they still around are they popular saturday night live now I, i'd say one of the difference say now between now and say the 70s now saturday night live can get acts that are very popular and at the top of the charts mm-hmm. the flip side of that is they may not be around in <laughs> 10 years five years two years where in the 70s they would take gambles and you're seeing people who might not have been at the top of the charts at that point but they have staying power and you know of them now 40 years right. later and it's fun to see people like uh like um patty smith group in season one was like a nobody and like she goes on to be like an iconic performer 40 years later um you know you're getting paul simon as he was a solo artist you know james and early james taylor like those things are are fun to see Mm -hmm. 
well, you know, no shade to any of the newer acts, but I don't know in 20 years if we'll still have an ice spice. Right. So it might just be a deodorant by then. Who knows? From Axe Body Spray, it sounds like that. But... It's, an, it's an interesting <laughs> dilemma I think they find themselves in, you know, mm-hmm. like at, you, weighing that, getting somebody who's hot right now so people will watch the show mm-hmm. or getting, you know, uh, a well-known act that more people know of um, that might lead credibility to the show more i don't know no i don't know let's talk to their music booker but you did mention john belushi as like kind of your introduction to this and your all-time favorite i think he's often Mm -hmm. ranked number one whenever anybody does a list Mm -hmm. um, at least top three why did he appeal to you and why do you think after all these years no one has come close to dethroning him on these lists uh i think what what captured me originally with him is, is his energy he he was one of those first guys who just had that kind of like danger behind him you didn't know what he was going to do he could he could go from zero to a hundred in six seconds he, he just was dynamite um and you could just kind of just tell he brought that electricity to his performances so many times so that's what that's what originally drew me into him um as far as people can't maybe i just i don't think that exists anymore and i don't mean that as a bad thing but i just think comedy is a little bit different in how people approach comedy and and who's performing is different these days um but as far as you know taking him off that pedestal i mean i think i don't know it'd be interesting you know the the 50th anniversary is coming up next year so i'm sure these lists will all come around again I wouldn't be surprised if he's knocked down by then. I could see maybe like, you know, Will Ferrell maybe taking him over or, you know, Farley kind of came close. You know, he's that's the obviously the the comparison you get the most to John Belushi was when Chris Farley was on the show. Chris kind of hide that a bit and I loved Chris Farley. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think he just, he did a lot. He could do a lot. He could sing and do impressions and he could be comedic and one of the things we've noticed in the early seasons is before he got to be kind of what everybody knows as crazy live wire john belushi is he could act and he could really do kind of dramatic pieces and more quiet pieces and he 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 really has a lot in his tool toolbox he can go to i find that interesting about some of the people that come from snl is like they're known for being these like comedic geniuses but then when they leave the show we've seen like bill Hader, kristen wig really like do well outside of comedy like very well in the drama and the indie films do you find that do you think that's like something like that's what separates the greats from the just regular old cast members is that range I think so. I mean, I do think if you look at whatever list, and of course, lists are always, you know, they're so subjective and it's, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I I feel like if you look at those lists and say the top 10 or 15, I would venture to say that the vast, vast majority of those, yes, are people that would have gone on and had success in movies or television or, you know, like Chris Rock had huge stand up career after that. And, you know, is considered a comedic genius. I think a lot of people, yeah, they, 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 they hone their particular skills on SNL because you do so much. I mean, you, even if you are a performer and maybe not necessarily credited as a writer, a lot of cast members said they write, like they write their own stuff. They're writing stuff. They're coming up with characters. So you're working on writing. And then if you're putting a sketch on, and you're the writer of that sketch, you're also kind of directing that sketch on the show because you decide, you know, who's going to be in it and what the costumes will be and you have say in the set. So Saturday Night Live does allow these people, like, a, and as you mentioned, uh, Bill Hader's a great example, to hone those other skill sets so when they leave the show, 
and they move on from being an improv actor, they can do stuff like that. Speaking of their like creativity, um, one of my favorite things is when they had those characters that from the show that they ended up turning into movies. That was like really <laughs> big back in the day. Um, what are what are some characters that you feel deserved to get like on the big screen that never had the chance? Either like oh past, sh- that never had the chance. Oh yeah. Jesus, I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> I, you know what? I I don't I don't think there's many because it's really hard to take a character that you're into and engrossed in for five or six minutes and then be able to turn that fandom and engrossment to an hour and a half. I mean, you've seen it. There are many, 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 many SNL movies that are just not good because you take a character that was funny (laughs) on a sketch for five minutes with very little backstory and substance, but you could laugh. And then you try to stretch it into a movie um doesn't really work the only one i could say it's funny because you had mentioned it was uh there was a there was a hans and franz movie (laughs) that they had written and tried to do with arnold schwarzenegger and uh that probably would have been pretty funny that that one i missed (laughs) he mentions it on on conan um he was ready arnold was like let's do this (laughs) well if, if if you go back a couple episodes ago they actually did a reading they did like a four episode uh like mini arc with uh, Dana Carvey and Kevin mm -hmm. Nealon and Robert Schmeigel, (laughs) who helped write it with Conan, and they actually did a script reading of it. Um, Yeah, it's it's really, really funny. (laughs) Um, And they've talked about it, not to get too in the weeds, but basically they they had written this this film and Arnold was supposed to be in it. And he had like they met him, I think, to talk about it. But it it was coming after that movie Last Action Hero, which Mm -hmm. really tanked. And they kind of feel like that really put the brakes on Arnold doing a comedy where he'd make fun of himself because he just kind of did that and it really didn't work. Um, but yeah, that would have been that would have been a good one. Yeah, that would have been funny if they got Arnold because God, again, comedy genius, that guy <laughs> for some reason. But on You're, the are side, you a big kindergarten cop fan? Twins. I- I actually I just watched Twins like in the last <laughs> few months, but Kindergarten Cop is one of my favorite movies. Uh, me and my husband want to do like a two-person play where we're just all the characters. <laughs> I'm basically all the kids because my voice and he's Arnold. He's just gonna be Arnold, and sure. I'm gonna like all the other ones because he does a really good impression. But yeah, oh, nice. I love Kindergarten Cop. It's I think it's so funny, and it was filmed I think in the same place the Goonies was. So I'm like, what is this magical place in oh, Oregon really? oh, that cool. I need to go to? Like two yeah. of the best movies ever. But <laughs> on the flip side, like a number of years ago, I was talking to my old roommate, and I was like, it's weird that SNL doesn't really do those signature characters anymore, at least on the level that they used to. And so she sent me a clip of I want to say it was Dana Carvey and David Spade's podcast talking about how. Mm. The internet really impacted reoccurring characters because they could just like, well, YouTube's going to like play them out. But mm-hmm. what do you think? Do you think it's YouTube or just a shift in creative direction of the show? Oh, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I I do think the the internet of it all does play a huge part. I mean, it is it is a thing. Like back in the day, if you wanted to see Wayne's World or Hans and Franz or you know Opera Man, um, you had to watch. You had to watch the show on Saturdays, and that's where you saw it. And unless you taped it, you weren't watching it again. Whereas today, if you didn't see so-and-so's character on today, um, yeah, you can just go online and watch it over and over and over again. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's one of the things 
it's one of the things they get into in the early seasons of Saturday Night Live around season three and four, where originally they were trying not to do reoccurring characters too much. They didn't want to, you know, lean on that too much. They wanted to be creative and have new stuff. But then by the time around season three came and they were getting more popular and more mainstream and they knew audience wanted those reoccurring characters that they knew and loved, they kind of shifted and focused on that a lot. And you started getting stuff like Coneheads all the time and, and Gilda's characters, Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana, and Emily Latilla would come up all the time. And, you know, John Belushi did the Samurai. So uh, I, I think it kind of goes back and forth, but I, I think because of the internet, um, the shift in mentality has changed because it is just a little too easy to have a character get, get uh, oversaturated that way. And I, I want to say like, they had some with um, what's like Bill Hader definitely brought him and Kristen Wiig. I feel like that was the last generation to do it like yeah. more often than not. And yeah. Stefan, I mean, how do you beat that? That's a movie I'd like to see. Just a night oh, that's, with yeah. Stefan. <laughs> it, I mean, it goes all to the writing. You know what I mean? Like the characters are great. You just need someone to write it compelling enough where you want to watch that person for an hour and a half or that there's people for an hour and a half. But um. Yeah, it's tough to do, but yeah, Stefan would be an interesting one. You put him in the right the right setting, you know, like it, it a, could be fun. A night out, like where he's just going club hopping. <laughs> <laughs> just like one of those nights, set one night, just let him go. Maybe he'll meet the the night at the Roxbury guys, can have a um, cameo. Just let it, you know, just let it go. Spot. Yeah. <laughs> be funny. I feel that's why, like in the, in the more recent years, I feel like you've gotten away from, from the reoccurring characters maybe but you're getting a lot more impressions you know mm -hmm. and i think you're gonna do yeah. it and you're seeing those a lot more because they can live on a little bit better you know in the internet world of it all and social media because everybody knows these people and and seeing them make fun of people they know that's kind of where i think that's replaced the reoccurring mm -hmm. characters say like the 80s and 90s is now you know the impressions and more often not political impressions but i think that's kind of where they've gone and that's where they're they're lining up their comedy yeah, I really love when they have like the um, like the auditions for movie. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't like, done those in a while, but yeah, yeah, those, yeah, those are really funny. I I'll just put those on like YouTube and I'll watch like the whole like like um you know compilations of those because they're always so good. Those are good, yeah. And it's like you can get people do their impression for like ten seconds. It's like just <laughs> enough, and you enjoy it, and then you're getting somebody new. It's Bill. I I love Bill Hader's my favorite. That's why I do this a lot. But um, Bill Hader doing the guy from Mash. Well, Alan Alda. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you said Bill Hader, I knew you were going to Alan Alda. That one. Yeah, he's my number one. That's my number one guy. Uh, not why I started watching. I actually didn't watch SNL until my friend was like, "You have to see my new boyfriend, Jimmy Fallon." Uh. <laughs> so I was an in love, living color kid in my household. So yeah. I really. But I loved Chris Farley as a kid. I loved mm -hmm. Tommy Boys. But I didn't go back and be like, oh, I guess Saturday night I was like too into Snick on Nickelodeon and then go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but so you have been in love with SNL for well over three decades, from Comedy Central to your VHS tapes to watching it live every week. What has kept you a fan that long? Because it's hard to be a diehard. Um, you want to see what they're going to do. You know what I mean? Well, one, it's still around. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. it's, it's it's still here. And, and you know, there have been other sketch shows that have come and, and gone in the last 49 years that they've been on. Um, but I do, I still watch it because you, you want to see what are they going to say? It's one of the great things about the show is 
you mentioned it earlier about how it's a time capsule of the era or whatnot, but it's also a time capsule of what's happening then and there. And and we've, again, on our podcast, have gotten to this because so many of their jokes are just, you know, 1975, 1976 references. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun to live your life and you see what's happening in the news and what ridiculous things are going to hap happen. And you're like, okay, how are, how is Saturday Night Live going to tackle that this week? You know, there's so many times you're on social media and people being like, is this a sketch or is this a real news article? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, or like, I can't wait for this is being done on Saturday Night Live. Yes. Um, so that that's really what it is. It's still it's still very topical and timely. And, and I, I just love to see what are they going to do? How are they going to, you know, skewer this celebrity or this this faux pas some famous person made or, you know, this ridiculous event in life? So very, very true. Me and my old roommate over like we'll text each other like, oh, I hope they do this on SNL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I I don't watch too much. I watched the Pete Davidson clip where he did the like I am kin. Mm -hmm. I just want to know how much money was spent on that. It was so well done. Yeah. I was like, they, did they just go to the Barbie set? This is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so good. But what are your hopes as the show continues? And we sort of head towards a whole new chapter with the possibility of Lorne Michaels possibly retiring and handing over the reins to someone new. I mean, I hope it stays on because it is, it just is fun. And I'd be intrigued to see what happens when he leaves and who takes over and what kind of new sensibilities come of that. Um, and I, I want to see a new breakout star. I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, it's been a long time. I like Kristen Wiig, I think was kind of the last big breakout star, I want to say. And I'd be, I'm, you know, like, you know, your Farley's, your Sandler's, your Will Ferrell's. Um, <laughs> So I'm kind of interested to see like when, like anybody right now in a couple of years, and you know, could could really be that person, that that new person. That's what I I'd say I'm most looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, I feel like they're so ensemble. You don't have those breakout stars any anymore. Well, it doesn't help hopefully. you have 25 people on the cast now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, even <laughs> the intro's 30 minutes. It's, I, so I, one of the comments I made as I was watching the the 49 premiere on social media i was like jesus these opening credits are long <laughs> there's just so many people they got to get through oh my god they went through every borough of new york to shoot everybody that's just like <laughs> jesus but that's you know and i we were commenting you know the the two the two golden eras the first one the first five seasons they had a cast of seven their cast was seven and then when they came back in the mid 80s it was i think seven or eight you know with dana oh, wow. and phil hartman so that they the, you find when the shows are really great they've got smaller cast you know and you can see people and you have you know because you're fighting against less people you know to get on the air but you've also i almost feel like you know it's like qual quantity versus quantity like if you've got less people those people have to be that much better because there's only so many people you can draw from whereas if you've got 20 people, okay, this person can maybe only be good at this and this person mm -hmm. could be only good at that. And, you know, you can pick and choose a little bit more because you have legitimately a football team worth of people to pick from. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they can't all, I think for me, I always watch the weekend updates. I think they're the mm -hmm. two that I'm always going to watch. But for me, the breakout, who I'm crossing my fingers is Bo and Yang. I think he's, he's good. the funniest he's, person on he's, right now. He's, oh. Yeah, he's really good. So funny, so funny. Uh, I love of the cast now. I love Bowen, and I think Ego is fantastic. I think she's so mm -hmm. funny, and I'm she's just so good. The two of them, and Keenan Thompson, but I kind of take him <laughs> out because he's been there for twenty years. 
Um, but Keenan shows up and I just, my wife laughs at me because he just shows up on screen and I start to smile because he's just <laughs> so fun. And even if he's just reading, like playing a game show host or anything, he just like milks it. And I mean that in a good way where he's just so funny and I love him, but I mean, yeah. he's just been, he's been there yeah, so he's, long. I mean, like for me being a nineties kid to watch him go from all that to SNL has mm. just been like, this guy's just been doing sketch comedy my whole life. I have to regard him as one of the greats. I'd put him in my top 10 for SNL just cause the man's been doing it since, you know, puberty. Like, yeah. well, like and it. if he couldn't do it, he wouldn't be sticking yeah. around that long. So, you know, he's good because he's mm -hmm. there. And he's still, pull, the, the premiere, he did the Deion Sanders uh, impression on Weekend Update. It was one of the funniest things I've seen him do. It was so <laughs> good. Like he uh, still has it. He's not phoning it in. Like he's still delivering every week. I know you got to keep watching to see how long will Keenan go? Will I, I outlive Keenan Thompson's <laughs> run on SNL? We don't know. But so we're going to move on, but we're just not really because we're still going to talk even more about SNL because it's what inspired your podcast, which you yes. did kick off earlier this year. Other than just loving the show, as long as you have, what sort of transpired in your life that made you go, yeah, I want to, I want to do a podcast about this show I love so much. Uh, I was just enjoying it. I found myself kind of getting back into it and i've done this over the course of my fandom is i've i've stepped away from the show and then i've gotten back and forth back and forth but uh, you know in the last year or so just um honestly discovering other podcasts that have been talking about the show uh and i really enjoyed listening to them and uh just in listening to them and and, and learning like oh maybe there is an audience for people to talk about the show um one of the things that was missing was kind of a very specific which and we are admittedly a very specific niche. We're, you know, we're doing the first five seasons of the show. So we're talking about shows that happened 40 some years ago. Um, but thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe people would, would want to see it. And I was just like look, looking ahead at the 50th coming up. Let's go back and do a show where we really do chronicle where it all came from. Cause we, our show is week by week, episode by episode. We started with season one, episode one, each of our seasons corresponds with the season of the show. And so we're really watching how the show was created and it was kind of do that. Like what, what, what would make us different for listeners is if you love the show and if you're of a certain age or under, you might not remember or know of this era uh, and just try to get a little bit of a refresher and celebrate and uh, talk about just where it came about and how it became the institution that it is. And once this era is done, are you going to like stand out there like they do say your goodbyes or will you start like a new era? I don't, people have asked us and I keep saying, I just want to get through this era first <laughs> uh, because, you know, we, we're not, we have my co-host and I, we haven't, we don't do other podcasts. We're not like actors or comedians. So like we're not performers by nature. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was a, as a leap, you know, when I called him and I was like, I've got this crazy idea. <laughs> do you want to do it? And he was like, yeah, let's, let's try it. So we had no idea what we we're getting into when we started. Um, and the community is very great. You know, that there is a community of Saturday Night Live fans, old and young, and they've been very embracing to us. And it's been a lot of fun to get to know them and, and be accepted in kind of the community, which has been fun. Um, but so people ask us and I'm like, let's just see if we can get through seasons five. Cause you're talking to people who literally have made zero podcasts in their life. Um, <laughs> So I, I do think if we can get through season five and we're still going and we're still liking it and people are still listening, my knee jerk reaction is I think we would, I think we said this the other day to somebody who was on our show, like, I think we're just going to jump ahead uh, mm -hmm. to like seasons 11, 12, like what I was saying, the second golden era, the Dana Carvey, um, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks era. Um, 
and get into those because I think that's the next really great fun era to get into. That's fun. Definitely with Dana Carvey. I just watched Wayne's World also for the first time. This for the year. first time? Oh I my goodness. Okay. Brad, I love TV. Movies, though, are a whole other beast because I don't know. I could sit there. I'm one of those people where you're like, oh, a new show's out. I'm going to spend all day watching it. But an hour and a half movie or two hour, <laughs> I'm like, this is just too much pressure. I also like growing with the show, you know, over the seasons. But the uh, movie is just like one and done. Sure. So, like, there's so many. You'd be surprised. I just watched Ghostbusters the other day. Oh, my God. You're killing me. I know. How, I know. How did they yeah. hold? Well, Ghostbusters, I've seen someone recently. How did Wayne's World hold off? I probably haven't I seen it in 15 Loved years. it. Oh, loved good. It. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters, it was fine. Sorry. What? Oh, my I goodness. Know. It was, I thought Bill Murray was weird. He's like a oh. creepy dude. <laughs> and I, yeah. I really, what did I like? I thought I liked Egon. He was cool. <laughs> and I thought Dan Ackard was really handsome. <laughs> oh, my. What? I know. Oh my, my friend was like, you could have him. I was like, he's <laughs> <laughs> I roommate that I talked to all the time. She was like, I was like, he's, he's really cute in it. And she's like, no, stop. <laughs> oh, goodness. But I'm also like known for my roommate knows I love like people that look like TV dads. I'm a big TV dad like okay. fan. So, you know, Ray Romano, like all that. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> so you just mentioned the fans. And I think like, you have the Beehive from Beyonce, the Swifties, but I think SNL diehards could give them a run for their money just because they've had way more time to love it. <laughs> Do you ever run into someone listening to your show that like is coming at you for something you might have said, like a differing of opinion? Um, not yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll okay, happen. Um, we had, we've had one, uh, the only, the only kind of real blowback we had is we did an, uh, an episode from season one, it's kind of a pretty infamous episode where they came back in the summer and they had a host was this actress, Louise Lasser, uh, who was on a television show called Mary Hart, Mary Hartman at the time. And it's kind of gone down in the history of SNL as like one of the worst episodes ever. And she was one of the worst hosts ever and got banned from the show. And we kind of really dove into it a bunch. And one of the people who didn't like our discussion was one of her co-stars from the show, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and started like going after oh. us on Twitter and we had a we had a guest on that episode and she was a like going after our guest and so he like there was like a Twitter battle going on between oh. them which was funny so um <laughs> that's probably the only instance of other than that because you know it's 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 you know we're th we're there to celebrate the show mm -hmm. so we try to be as positive as we can even though I kind of we jokingly I'm kind of the grumpy one of the two of us <laughs> um but it's um we do try to celebrate it and because we do we're fans of the show and we love the show um, so it, it's more like sometimes will someone will be like, oh, I can't believe you didn't love this sketch. That was funny. Or this was so much better than that. But it's it's all usually pretty good natured. And in talking to you, I could tell that you could probably win like a Saturday Night Live trivia night all by yourself. But has uh, there, I, <laughs> there are no, I mean, oh. I, I don't know. But I'm, I was going to say there are some fans, though, that just know even more, like way more than I do. Like they're so in-depth and especially... I know this era very, very well, the, the early years, because this is what I grew up on and kind of formed, you know, again, we talked about like my comedic outlook um, and the mid eighties and nineties, but there are people who like watch the show from the last 10 years where they know like every writer of every sketch and and, and it, it's it's insane. Like it's, I'm <laughs> amazed at, at the the wealth of knowledge they have. Um, but um, yeah, no, everyone's been, everyone's usually pretty good for the most part because they were all fans. So you're just like, no, you're wrong. I think you meant this or you meant that, but try to have it to keep it as fun as we all can 
have you like uncovered any like new information in doing the show that you're like oh wow i, I learned something new today uh yeah i mean there's tons of stuff you know you know we reference every episode that we do as much as we can with books and and articles from the time and stuff so some of the stuff either there's a lot of stuff i forgot you know, there's books I read 20 years ago that I'm opening up again for the first time. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. But it's a lot of like little stuff you learn or, you know, in the interim, someone gave an interview since the last time I, you know, looked up or thought about this episode. And uh, and especially now, you know, with, with podcasts, you know what I mean? Like so many people have done interviews on podcasts, you know, writers and, and performers from that era where there's just so much more information out there. So there's usually there's just something yeah i'm like oh i forgot about that i didn't know and, and that's the kind of stuff we try to put on the show like we're, we we talk about what we like and what we don't like about the episodes but we also do a good bit about oh by the way this was originally a sketch that was here or this got you know censored or they wanted to do this so we try to throw in as much kind of behind the scenes stuff as we can too to keep it interesting so if you're listening it's not just about the comedy that's on the screen but what was going on putting the show together interesting I have plenty of friends who are way bigger fans than me. Like you said, they have the books and they're yeah. like in little encyclopedias for like their favorite eras. So they'll definitely enjoy the show. But so we talked a lot about SNL. So we're going to do a quick speed round before we say our goodbyes. Um, I was nervous. I was nervous for this. Okay. <laughs> so I knew. Ooh, that's good. I have six of them. Like, okay. Yes, yeah, six. All right. So a current actor you would love to see host. Oh, shit. Um, Tom Cruise. I just think it would be interesting and weird. Who is your favorite host of all time? Steve Martin. One of my boyfriends. <laughs> that was an easy one. Oh, he's still so gorgeous. Him, him, and uh, Martin Short and Conan had me dying. They were good. The two of them together, <laughs> Steve and Marty, are, are they're pretty funny together. Yeah. <laughs> they just when play I, off each other so well. When I was little, I loved Father of the Bride. I did not realize Martin Short was like the plan. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was so good at it. But, Frank, okay. right? Is that yeah. his name? Frank? Yeah. Every party has a poopa. <laughs> <laughs> we used to tell my brother he was the party poopa. So, <laughs> a reoccurring character you thought was a tad bit overrated. Oh, God. Uh... Overrated. Jesus. I don't know. Maybe Opera Man. I don't know why that's coming into my mind. He was funny. I'm trying to think of somebody they milked a little bit too much. Oh, no. Roxbury Brothers. The Roxbury guys. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who auditioned for this show that you were shocked didn't get it. Oh, my God. There's so many. Um, kind of weird would be like Nick Kroll because he was such a good performer and had the Nick Kroll show afterwards. Um, kind of Jim Carrey, maybe. That one's crazy. You think about it. Yeah. yeah. Wild. Um, Lisa Kudrow's one. I think just I've heard her mention in interviews a lot recently, but like, you know, Lisa Kudrow is so funny and she didn't get on. There's there's just so many. Carell and Colbert, I think both auditioned, didn't they? Yeah. There's just so many that you're like, wow. Well, I'm glad Steve Carell didn't get it. Where would I be without Michael Scott? <laughs> <laughs> so what two cast members from different eras of SNL would you have loved to seen it in a sketch together? Probably, uh, Belushi and Farley. Oh. I think it would have been amazing to watch those two together. And lastly, you're Mount Rushmore of SNL, so you're four. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, they're all going to be old. Um, Harvey, Dana Carvey, John Belushi, Phil Hartman, and Chan Hooks, maybe? 
I don't know. It's hard to do four. <laughs> it's so hard. You think you're going to be like, oh, I know my top four going into this. And then how it plays out. You're like, yeah, no, I want to go it's die. <laughs> a lot of actually, you know, it's funny when you asked, you know, how this came about. The, the actual impetus of our podcast was my co-host and I at the time, this was you know a year and a half or so ago, we were taking a road trip together and we drove from new york to pittsburgh out and back in one day and so we're driving home from pittsburgh whatever seven eight hours and we basically did a a, a cast draft we were like oh. let's draft our all-time cast we went back and forth and we you know you couldn't draft the same person and we kind of came up with our best you know whatever eight or nine person cast and that's what we had so much fun doing that and was enjoying it and that's what kind of kicked off the idea at least him and i doing this podcast together um, but every once in a while you get those, there's a couple podcasts out there where they have people, they'll have guests on and they'll be like, they'll do a cast draft and you pick your best cast. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we did so that hard. on, uh, we did that on Masturbators. Uh, we do a draft every Tuesday. We're on a little hiatus right now, but, uh, when you win in our network, you get to pick the topic. I picked casting your dream SNL roster. Oh my goodness. And I was like, you guys think I won, but oh, they try congrats. messy. My friend Harvey tried to mess with me. He knows how much I love Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, and he took them before I could get them. But I had Chris Farley. I was like, I have a heavy hitter. Yeah. And I won. <laughs> nice. Oh, congrats. I know. I was like really nervous too. I was like, oh, when I didn't get Bill Hader, I was like a little upset. I was a little peeved, but it's okay. I still won. <laughs> so lastly, can you remind people where they can find you and the Not Ready for Primetime podcast online? Uh, yes, the podcast, Not Ready for Primetime Podcast, uh, anywhere you find podcasts, all the usual suspects, as you said. Uh, online, we are at Not Ready for PT Pod, and that's the number four, Not Ready for PT Pod. Uh, Twitter, X, Instagram, Facebook, um, and we're on there a lot. So yeah, uh, follow, like us, uh, throw some comments out. We love talking to fans and, and getting into debates and talking about SNL, both old and new, and you know the 70s, 80s, 90s, all eras. We, we like to get into it all. Well, Brad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about SNL as your crush. And everyone, you can find all that information below. And until next time, as always, keep crushing it. Crushgasm is part of the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network, alongside some other pretty cool shows, including An Evening at the Movies, Crime, Rewind, Literature Reapers, Love is Black, Masturbators, Men are the Prize, and The Simplest. You can find all of us and more over at IDNMTRpodcastnetwork.com.